We have been in a series that uh, I have been thoroughly been enjoying, and uh, uh, I've, I've learned so much. It's been, it's been interesting to walk through life every day and think about what a fool would do versus what a wise man would do, and then make a determination in that moment, which do I want to be? Has anybody been, been, been thinking about that as you're making decisions in life? I, I hope so. You know, I, I did a quick study. The word fool, fools, foolish, or foolishness. Okay, basically a reference to fools. What the, one of those words is found 256 times in the New Living Translation. To put that into perspective for you, if you, used, if you look up the word pray, praise, prayer, or prayers. Basic same words, Right? It's only used 336 times. So, so about 80 times more is prayer used than fool. Obviously, the Bible's serious about not being a fool and trying to warn us what it's about. As a matter of fact, when you read the book of Proverbs in chapter 1, Solomon begins writing and, and he says, uh, you know, I want to give you these words of wisdom and I want you to listen to them and I want you to study them. And if the wise will, will listen to them... The wise will get wiser. The wise will get smarter. The wise will get more intelligent. He said these Proverbs, the purpose of them is is to teach wisdom and discipline. The purpose is to help us know how to do what is right and then go out and do it. And how to do what is just and fair. Gives us a picture then of wisdom. And and so I want you to picture this because he gives us a word picture to, to start off the book of Proverbs. And, and he says, wisdom is standing in the streets. And he refers to wisdom as a woman, who he also, who, which he often does throughout the book of Proverbs. And he says, she's standing in the streets and she's shouting and calling and trying to get people to listen to her. But they're living their lives and their hustle and bustle and they're doing things their own way. And she's screaming and she's trying to get people's attention. And she's saying, please listen to me. I can help you. But the whole town is convinced that they're going to do things their way. And so they go off and they start doing things their way. And they start doing things their way. And, and, and Solomon says that suddenly storms come. And problems arise. And and the result of their poor decisions and foolish decisions starts to come back. And they turn now looking for wisdom, but wisdom cannot be found. Because you missed your opportunity. And here's here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1. If you put that verse up for me, guys. He says, For simpletons turn away from me to death... And fools are destroyed by their own complacency. Specifically here, when he's, what he's referring to, not, doesn't mean that you don't do anything, you're just complacent in your life. He says what he's referring to is that fools are destroyed by their own complacency in reference to learning these words of wisdom that are available to you. But because you haven't learned them and applied them, you've been just complacent and doing things your own way because that made sense to you. It was right in your own eyes. Then a fool is destroyed because you have been complacent with the words of wisdom found in this Bible. So my question to you is, as we 
study, as we learn, as we grow, as we take a hard look at the Bible and a hard look at our lives, the question for every one of us in this room, everyone watching online, everyone listening to podcasts, will we be complacent with the words of wisdom that God has already given us or will we do something with them? And my challenge to you is to don't be complacent, but do something with the words of wisdom that God has given us. They were written thousands of years ago, but they still hold true today. Our series is entitled, I Pity the Fool. And uh, we're talking about the characteristics and the consequences of being a fool. Last week was part three. You know a fool by how he acts. We, we went over just a few things. Uh, you are a fool if you are quick-tempered. If you have a quick temper or a short temper and you fire back and you get angry and you get hot and you get mad and you start firing off at people, the Bible says that you are a fool. Number two, you're a fool if you interfere with someone else's argument. Remember, this is the verse where he said it's, it's like grabbing, uh, pulling a mad dog by his ears. You're going to get bit. And when you enter into an argument with, with two people, you're just trying to come and help, but you're going to get bit, so just expect it. Number three, if you are in constant quarrels, if you're the guy that comes home all the time and it's always something, you're always into it with this person, you're always into it with that person, you're always upset about this, you're always, and you're just always in quarrels with someone, the Bible says you are a fool. As a matter of fact, he says you are asking for a beating. Number four, not only do you do wrong, but you think wrong is fun. And so we keep doing wrong, and we keep doing wrong, and we keep doing wrong, so we live on the high of the fun and never have to deal with the consequences of our wrongdoing. But if we just keep, keep enjoying it and keep, keep on doing it, uh, then we don't have to deal with the consequences. We're on to the next wrong thing. Number five, you're proud or you plot evil. Uh, being proud Having too much pride in our life makes us a fool. The Bible says that pride comes before destruction. A haughty haughty spirit comes before the fall. And, And so if we're proud, we know the outcome, and yet we allow ourselves to be built up and and to make an idol of ourselves, and then we end up falling down. We talked about some consequences. Consequences of being around a fool. Last week we changed it up a little bit. Consequence number one of being around a fool is this. You will suffer harm. You stay around a fool long enough, you're going to suffer harm. You're going to suffer harm. And then number two, uh, you waste your time. You can't help them. You can beat them with a rod a hundred times on the back and it won't help them. Uh, So you're wasting your time. You can't help them and you're wasting your life being around them because you're going to end up suffering harm yourself. You're going to end up in trouble yourself. You're going to end up facing the consequences yourself. You cannot help them. But then the final thing we ended with last week is the Bible says that, um, that it's painful to be the parent of a fool. Because there are some people that we can get away from, some fools we can get away from, but as a parent, 
we got to keep loving. we got to keep praying. we got to keep trying to help, help them. And it's painful. It is going to cost you, but you can't give up. So we're just asking God to bring healing and give us grace to keep on fighting the good fight, right? All right. So today, we're going to make a little shift. I apologize. Uh, my voice is struggling a little bit today. I've been at the ballpark uh, every night this week. Um, my son and my nephew were playing on the all-star team representing Hampshire Finette. Uh, you may have seen my son on the news. I don't know. Did anybody see that? Boy, it was awesome. It said, and then the big man, Randy Clark. Well, you, you, you couldn't get his head in the car. Uh, the big man, Randy Clark, on the mound. Uh, he, was, he was dealing. It was awesome. And then, uh, um, so they played all week. And then my, my daughter's playing the state championship uh, tournament this weekend. And so we were at the ballpark for like 13 hours yesterday. So uh, I get a little excited. Imagine that. A preacher that gets excited at the ballpark. Uh, likes to talk a lot at the ballpark. I'm sorry. Um, so forgive me. My voice is straining a little bit, but I give you everything I got. Is that a deal? All right. Um, so number one today, uh, con- uh, characteristics of a fool. We'll, we'll pick up in Proverbs 29 and 11. Proverbs 29 and 11. And, and, and this one's going to upset you, so just get ready. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold back. You are a fool if you vent your anger. I know. I'm just venting. I just got to get it out. Okay, fool. I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what the Bible says right here. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Venting is not biblical. I, I'm just, we're just going to get it out of the way right up front. You know, you know, you know be upset with me. It's okay. Uh, Solomon wrote it. He's long since been dead. So you'll have to take that up when you get to heaven. Um, Fools vent their anger. Venting is not biblical. This is the reality of what the Bible says. I know it seems necessary. I know it seems justified. Again, you're angry. But the Bible says that fools vent their anger. I don't want to be a fool, so I can't vent my anger. Um, But you say, well, Pastor Randon, I'm I'm not venting my anger, but I'm hurt. Okay. Another version for you. International Standard Version says it like this. The fool... Vince, all his feelings, but the wise person keeps them to himself. I don't know about you, but typically when I read the word all in the Bible, I take that to mean, wait for this now, all of them. If I read it in the English or the Greek or the Hebrew, I tend to think it means all of them. The fool vents all of his feelings. Whatever kind of feeling you have, you start venting them. The Bible says it makes you a fool. We'll go with one more version. Just so you make sure that I'm not making this stuff up. Uh, We'll go with God's Word translation here. A fool expresses all his emotions... But a wise person controls them. Now this verse shows us something different here. When 
emotions start to run us and take over us and anger or hurt or grief or despair or frustration or bitterness or any other type of emotion when it starts to control us we start venting to anyone who will listen we start talking to anyone who will listen and the the emotions are running us you you say things like i couldn't help it i just had to get it out But the wise person understands I'm in control of my emotions. My emotions are not in control of me. So let me ask you, who is in control in your life? Are you in control of your emotions or do your emotions control you? Do your feelings control you? Does your anger control you? Because if we're not careful, we can be led around through this life by our emotions and by our feelings, and we will end up making mistake after mistake after mistake. Ask yourself, of the regrets in your life, how many of them were made based off of emotions in the moment? How many of them? Because when we let our emotions lead us, we will constantly make a mistake. The wise man knows that he controls his emotions. His emotions do not control him. Proverbs 25 and 28 said, said it's like this. If you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack. If we can't control our emotions, if we can't control our anger, if you think about it, in the days that this was written, one of the primary ways that cities defended themselves was they built massive walls, thick walls. Think about the story you know about the Battle of Jericho, right? And how God caused the walls to fall down flat, and then there was nothing left for Jericho to defend themselves, and the Israelites just took in and stormed the place and, and, and took over with, with no problems. Why? Because their defense mechanism fell down flat. And here's what the Bible says. Here's what Solomon wrote. He said, I want you to understand that if you cannot control your anger, it's like you're in Jericho and your walls just fell down and now you are open to attack. So Pastor Randy, what do we do? If we can't vent, if we can't talk about it, what do we do with our anger? You know, you know, Paul said it even in, in the New Testament, uh, in, in Ephesians 4. He said, don't let sin, uh, don't, don't, don't allow sin uh, to cause uh, anger to control you. It is a sin to let anger control you. And that's what he says, 426. When, when, when anger controls us, that becomes a sin. So not only are we making mistakes, but we're sinning. I know that we think sins are like the big ones, like, you know, lying and cheating and, and stealing and murder and, and all those things. But listen, allowing your anger to control you is a sin. So what do we do? There's three ways we often respond to anger uh, and, and to extreme emotions. If we're not going to uh, vent them to someone, there's three ways that we do it. Number one is uh, we, uh, re we repress them. We try to bury them. We, we, we try to get them, uh, you know, we, we try to act, for, bury them and, and forget and act as if it never happened. The problem is you are burying, burying an extreme emotion alive. 
It's not dead when you bury it, it's alive and it tends to get worse and it tends to come back to haunt you in the end. Repressing it is not the answer. The second way we do it is we suppress it, meaning we try to just forget about it. We just try to hide it. We say, well, no one will know. No one can tell. And so we try to suppress it and we try to hold it back so that no one knows what's going on. But eventually, if that emotion goes unchecked and undealt with, it comes back with a vengeance. You say things like, I've been holding this in for a long time. I've been trying, but I can't take it anymore. Have you ever said those words? I have a few times this week. <laughs> Number three is we express it. Express it. So we, we, we either repress it, suppress it, or we express it. Now, I want you to note here that expressing it is different than venting. When we express an emotion, or, or uh, anger especially, it is with the intent of dealing with it. So it involves several things. It, it, when you, when you're, before you express it, number one, and you can take, take note of these things, breathe. No, I'm serious. Breathe. Long, slow, deep breaths. Allow yourself to calm down. Number two, think before you speak. Don't just start talking. We'll, talk, we'll come back to this one in a minute. Number three, wait 24 hours. Wait 24 hours. Don't just go deal with it right then. Wait at least 24 hours. We have a rule on all, all baseball teams, softball teams that I coach. You can be as mad at me as you want to for some decision I made on the field or something you don't like, but don't talk to me until 24 hours after it happens. Why? Because most reasonable people can, can the emotions wear off somewhere. We can have a conversation about it within 24 hours, Right? Some of you might need 48 or 72. But the point is, wait a day or so. Let it calm down before you express it. Because what happens is, it doesn't mean the hurt or what angered you changes, but, but your emotions that go along with it, that cause us to say things we don't mean, that cause us to be uh, vengeful and, and, and aggressive and get us in more trouble, they calm down. Then we can actually deal with the issue, right? And, and, so, and so wait 24 hours, maybe 48, maybe, maybe a week. Number four, pray and worship. Before you express anything to people, express it to God. Before, before you're going to go tell someone off and, and deal with difficult situations, uh, and, and you know what? Go to God. Turn on some worship music. And, and I'm, can I be honest for a minute since I'm up here preaching right now? When I'm really mad and really angry, I do not want to pray and I do not want to worship. I know some of you super spiritual people do. You say, uh, that's just, I just love it then. No, I don't like it. It's not fun. Sometimes it's just fun being angry. It, it is fun to vent. But the wise man, the Christian, the godly person says, I'm going to go to God first and I'm going to allow him to work on me before I go deal with whoever I got to deal with. 
And so it takes discipline to come to God in prayer and to come to God in worship. And I'm going to tell you, when you come out of that, when you get with God, He'll help you with the anger and He'll give you strategies to deal with the problem. He'll give you words to say. And if you'll listen carefully, He'll tell you what not to say. So before we express it to man, express it to God. And then the fifth way is when we do express it, uh, first go to godly counsel. And I don't mean just Christian people that like to gossip. I mean godly counsel. What's the difference between counsel and venting? Counsel is I'm coming to you not just to tell you how I feel, but I'm coming to you to learn and get wisdom on what I need to do next. There is a difference. Venting is not counseling. If you have left and said, ooh, I feel much better. I just needed to get off, that, off my chest. That's venting. Counsel ends with, what do I need to do? Tell me how to move forward with the full intention of listening to that counsel. Does that make sense? The fool vents his anger or all of his emotions or all of his feelings. Don't be a fool but you, don't also, you also don't have to repress it or suppress it. I, I want you to deal with it, but deal with it in a wise manner. Well, let's go to number two. Things don't get better from here. 20, Proverbs 21 and 20. <laughs> the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Number two is simply this. The fool spends whatever he gets. You're a fool if you spend whatever you get. It just makes you a fool. It just does. It just makes you a fool. Now, I want you to notice here. The wise have wealth and luxury. It doesn't mean that the wise man doesn't enjoy nice things. It doesn't mean that to be wise you have to live a life of poverty and put every nickel you have in the bank or under a mayonnaise jar in your backyard or, or in a 401k somewhere. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying here. But, but the principle is, how are you spending your money? Are you saving? Are you looking forward to your future? Are you spending every nickel you have and then putting the rest on credit cards from there? What are you doing? Are you living above your means? Are you spending whatever you get let's read this version in in the message bible it says it a little bit differently i kind of like what it says valuables are safe in a wise person's home fools put it all out for yard sales You thought garage sales started in America? <laughs> Apparently, Solomon knew about yard sales. Why do we like yard sales? Because you can find valuable treasures for pennies. Someone has decided, I paid a lot of money for this item, and I used it and now I'm going to give it away for little to nothing. Fill your bucket for $5, right? Hey, listen, we have garage sales. It's part of what we do. But I want you to understand the principle of what's happening here. Here's what he says. The wise man holds on to valuable things, 
doesn't just give them away, doesn't just waste them, doesn't just give them away for pennies. He holds on to them and he builds for his future. But, but the fool enjoys it for a little bit of a time and then he puts it out on a yard sale and goes and buys something new because he's spending everything he gets. How are your spending habits? What does your 401k look like? Do, do, do you have any money put up for the future? Are you, are you planning to retire one day? We met this week or last week with all of our employees and, and our, our financial planner, and we went over our retirement for everybody. We made them have the, all of them, even, even the young guys that don't even, can't even imagine being retired because they you know, just got out of high school. But no, we're going to teach you about retirement. And uh, so we were talking about something, and my dad made a statement that shocked all of us, and it's going to shock you, okay? He said, guys, Jesus is not going to return before you retire. And ISIS isn't going to blow us all up before you retire. So get a plan. Now understand, if God returns, he returns. But the principle is the same. And the Bible talks about it in the New Testament. We can't live an escapism mentality, just spending everything we get as if God's going to come back at any moment and not plan for our future. Plan for your future. Be wise with your money. You don't know how to do it? We've got several life teams that will help you. We've got wise money. We've got um, uh, um, Financial Peace University, I believe. We've got several options that will help you learn to be wise with your money. So many families in this church in the last year came to those life teams and already their, their, their financial state is doing so much better and they're on the right track and you say, well, I don't make a lot of money. It, it, it's not about that. It's about being wise with what you have. He didn't say the wise man was rich and, and owned kingdoms. It's not what he said. But the fool spends whatever he has. How are your spending habits? Elbow your neighbor and say it's going to be all right. Number three. Proverbs 13 and 16, and we briefly mentioned this just a moment ago. Proverbs 13 and 16. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. Wise people stop and think. If they're angry, they go through the steps we just talked about. One of them is thinking before they talk. But, but the, the fool... The fool doesn't think before he gets talking, gets, starts talking. He just starts talking and tries to figure out what he's going to say along the way. The fool just takes off talking. And if it makes sense in the end, awesome. If it doesn't, so be it. But the fool just takes off. The fool just takes off and does whatever he wants to do. Not just in words, but in action and deeds. He just takes off. He just decides things. But the wise man thinks before he acts. The New Testament talks about it like this. What man would go out and build a house without first measuring the cost, trying to see if he can afford it? The wise man stops and says, before I do this, every action I have has a consequence, either positive or negative, but something's going to happen in return. And so is the result going to be worth what I'm putting into it? Do you think before you act? Can I get some water, uh, Bill? 
Proverbs 14 and 16. The wise are cautious and avoid danger, but fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. The fool just takes off. He just starts running. He just starts going and assumes it's going to work out along the way, but not the wise man. The wise man is cautious and he avoids danger because he's thinking and he's looking into the future. How are you living your life? Are you living your life with the reckless confidence of a fool? Just taking off running and hoping it works out? Are you stopping and thinking? You see, reckless confidence may work for you for a time, but living this way will eventually catch up to you. Proverbs 10, 21. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. How many problems did you face in your life? How many consequences did you face in your life? Because if you were being honest, you just took off running with reckless confidence and you didn't even use common sense. So number one, the fool vents his anger. Number two, the fool spends whatever he gets. Number three, the, the fool doesn't think before he acts. And number four, Proverbs 14 and 9, uh, fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. The, the fool makes fun of guilt. When, when you feel guilt in your life, look around who's mocking you for feeling guilty, and that will be the fools in your life. That will be maybe the people that we talked about last week that you might need to have a friendectomy with. If you have been the person that when others felt guilty, you were laughing and making fun of them, whether you said it out loud or whether you were laughing internally and went home with your spouse and told them, it makes you a fool. Guilt is a necessary thing. We, 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 when we make mistakes, when we have problems, when we do things wrong, guilt is something that God gave. Why? Because it drives us to repentance. And repentance, repentance is necessary to have a relationship with God. So don't make fun of guilt. They asked Peter, Peter, what do we do then? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. But if you never feel guilt, if you never think you've done anything wrong, and you mock the thought at, at guilt, or you have done something wrong, or others, there's no need for repentance. And thus, you won't have a relationship with God. You're a fool if you vent your anger, if you spend whatever you get, if you don't think before you act. And if you make fun of guilt, three quick consequences. And I'll tell you one story and we're going to close. Proverbs 3 and 35. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. The first consequence of being a fool is you will have no honor in your life. And everyone needs honor. It's why we come up with days, Father's Day, Mother's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, boss's day, 
Secretary's Day, Administrative Assistance Day. I don't know what the difference is. We come up with all the best friends day, sibling day. You notice like there's like a billion of them. Why? Because we all need honor in our life. It's okay. We were created in the image of God and God needs to be honored. So it doesn't make you wrong to need honor. It makes you created in the image of God. We all need honor. And yet, fools don't get honor. Fools only get shame. At some point, the decisions we make, the words we say, the things we do, uh, the, 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 the the thoughts we have, all this stuff, when we act like a fool, it will catch up to us and we will face the shame of the life we have lived when all we really wanted was to be honored. Number two. Proverbs 14 and 8. The wisdom of the wise keeps life on track, but the foolishness of fools lands them in the ditch. The second consequence is this. Your life gets off track. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what... I don't know what everything that's going on in your life, but if you were to look at your life right now and say, is my life on track with what I felt like God wanted me to do when I was young, when I was first in high school, in college, making plans for my life, having dreams for my life, am I on track with that or am I off track with that? And if you're off track, ask yourself the following question, is it because I have made foolish decisions because the wisdom of the wise keeps life on track even when things are trying to knock you off and circumstances are trying to knock you off the wisdom of the wise gets us back on track but the fool lands them in the ditch same verse different version says it like this in the New Living Translation. The prudent understand where they're going, but fools deceive themselves. You end up in a ditch. We've deceived ourselves, thinking we're making good decisions, acting like we're making good decisions, but the only people that we are deceiving or the only people that we are fooling is us. Is your life off track? Third consequence, Proverbs 13 and 19. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. The third consequence of being a fool is that you don't see your dreams come true. Fools don't see their dreams come true. And if they get them for a brief moment, they tend to be only a flash before they waste them away. You don't see your dreams come true. And, and as Christians, we sit here and we quote one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we talk about the dreams that God has for us and the plans that God has for us. And we say, God's going to do this and he said he's going to do that and his word says this and his word says that. 
the foolish decisions we constantly make in our life, they don't allow those words to come to pass because our words and our decisions are pushing them to the side, leading us off track, and we're ending up in the ditch rather than accomplishing the dreams that God put into your heart. Do you have dreams in your life? Did you have plans? Did you have ideas? Did you have thoughts? You wanted to start a business? You wanted to go to college? You wanted to get a degree? You wanted to do this? You wanted to do that? You wanted to own your own home? Are you making decisions that will get you there? Or are you making foolish decisions that are keeping you from seeing your dreams come true? There is a wise way that will see dreams come true. But there's a foolish way that will steal your dreams and keep you from attaining them. I want to close with one story. It's a story that Jesus told. Jesus is teaching. There's crowds everywhere. And someone in the crowd sends or, uh, shouts out a request. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. That seems like a reasonable request, but Jesus' response shocked the crowd, and he said, who made me judge in this situation? And then he says, guard yourself against every kind of greed. He was just asking for a share, and Jesus said, watch out for greed in your life. And then he makes another statement, life is not measured by what you own. tells them a story. He said there was a rich man with a, a great farm, and this farm, it, it produced fine crops, and, and, and it produced huge harvest. Uh, that, that, that it was just a great farm, and, and he filled up all of his barns with his crop. And he said, well, now what I'm going to do, I have so many more crops left to, to be filled up barns, but I have no barns left. So he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear all my barns down, and I'm going to build bigger barns. So he did just that. And he built even bigger barns, and he put all of his crops in, and he said, now my barns are filled. All I have to do is sit back and enjoy the fruit of, of my labor and enjoy all of my crops, and I don't have to do anything else. And, and Jesus said, you fool, for this night you will, you will die. And who will get everything you worked for? This man was only focused on the things in his life, accomplishing his goals, making money, building his own kingdom. It wasn't that God didn't want him to have uh, bigger barns, but his focus was the barns and his focus was on the wrong thing. And so in Luke 12 and 21, here's what Jesus says. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And all our talking about being a fool, I couldn't end this series and not share this verse with you. If you don't have a rich relationship with God it makes you a fool for the things of this world will pass away whether Jesus returns or whether you die the things in your life will pass away the, the money you make the houses you build 
the businesses you build, the cars you drive, it will all go to someone else. And the only thing that will matter for the rest of eternity is your relationship with God. Don't be a fool. It's not about don't have nice things. Be wise. The wise have wealth and luxury. It's okay to have nice things, but make sure that the main thing is the main thing, and that is a rich relationship with God. If you're in this room, would you close your eyes and bow your head? Same thing if you're watching online right now, if you're listening to the podcast. I want to ask you a question. Do you have a rich relationship with God? If you don't, we can write that right now. You can start fresh. You can build a relationship with God. You can make sure that He is first and not the cares of this world or chasing the dreams of this world, but God is first. And out of that relationship with Him, everything else is built and everything else comes. He wants to bless you, but more than that, He wants to have a relationship with you. If you need a fresh start, you say, Pastor Randall, I've been a fool. I have not had a rich relationship with Christ, with Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you this morning. I see hands going up. A few more hands. Yep. If you're watching online, raise your hand. Wave it at me. Wave it at me. I know I can't see it, but God does. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse cleanse me. Give me a fresh start with you. I want to have a rich relationship with you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Um, I I want to pray uh, for one more thing, uh, and then our host is going to come. But I want to ask you, is your life off track? Have you not been able to attain your dreams because of decisions you've made, things you've allowed to happen, words you've said? Number three, has there been a lack of honor in your life, but only shame? I want to pray for you. If that's, if that's one of those things, I want to pray for you. Can I do that? All right, Father, I pray for every person in this room that has not received honor but only shame. Lord, I pray that you would cover their mistakes and you would cover their sins and you would put them in their past. But from this moment forward, I I pray that they would make right decisions and wise decisions and that honor would find them. Lord, everyone needs honor. Everyone needs honor. Father, I pray for those whose life is off track today. They got off in the ditch. They don't, and they don't know how to get out. But God, I pray that you'd give them the tools and the wisdom and the people in their life to help them get back on track. And Father, for those that have not been able to accomplish our dreams because we have been fools, Lord, I declare wisdom is coming upon us. Right decisions and courage to do the right thing, the fair thing, the God thing, the wise thing, to, to see the dreams and the plans that you have for us come to pass. It is not too late, but good things are in store. We bless your people now in the name of Jesus. Amen.